Oh, there we go. Hey, good morning. You know, the, um, the microphone, I, I, I took it off and I put it back on and I shouldn't have done that. And the microphone, I think, went a little bit closer. So we, we could check it again just so I don't blow people's eardrums out. There we go. It's good. How is everyone this morning? Good? I'm so excited to be here. This has been a beautiful experience so far. I'm so grateful for um, Joe and Amy, um, their ministry. Your pastor is an amazing man of God. Um, he really is. There are, there are people who have the title of pastor, um, and, and they carry that title, but I believe that Joe Miller is a true man of God. And that is something that supersedes the title. Um, being a man of God is just uh, is a beautiful gift to anybody that's being led. And he's just so faithful. Like, just he is a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of grace. And it's just beautiful. So thank you, Joe. Thank you for the gift that you are. Um, and thank you for this invitation. I'm humbled by it. <laughs> um, I can imagine that this... This hall, this um, sanctuary, has a lot of history connected to it. A lot of amazing messages have been preached in here. Lots of lovely worship. The acoustics are incredible. And I've just kind of been drinking it in. So I'm a little overwhelmed just being so in love with, like, every detail of this beautiful place. Okay, I'll stop saturating in this moment, and we'll get to the message. Um, You've been doing uh, this this deep um, study uh, in the uh, book of Genesis going through the patriarchs. And I've been listening to the messages, uh, and they've been, they've been fantastic. I've been learning so much. Um, you took a, a journey with Jacob for about two weeks, and you uh, had this, this place where uh, you were able to, to understand more deeply just some of the lineage there, and then you stepped into the uh, story of Joseph. And so where you left off last week was this place that, that Joseph has been uh, set up. He's, he's been thrown into a pit by his brothers. Um, then he's sold into slavery. So he goes from this, this pit to this, this place where he's, uh, he's brought in by, by Potiphar. Potiphar is the guard uh, to Pharaoh. And he becomes second in command over everything that Potiphar has. Then he's caught in this kind of scandal um, where he's set up by Potiphar's wife. It says in the text that Potiphar's wife uh, had longing eyes for Joseph because he was handsome. Uh, And she cast longing eyes on him, these these eyes of desire. Like, yeah, I I want him, you know. She was trying to hook up with with Joseph. And uh, for a guy like Joseph, that's like a big no-no. Like, we we don't touch Potiphar's wife. We We don't get into that stuff. And uh, so Joseph, it, it not only says in the word that he fled, but it says in the word that he fled and he ran. So this is like a double sprint, 40-yard dash with his cloak still in the hands of Potiphar's wife. That's, that's how fast this guy took off. Like his heart was so set on the things above that when this instance came that Potiphar's wife took hold of his cloak and said, lay with me, this guy was gone. Like, he, he was off like Usain Bolt, ready to bl- break a world record, 
Okay, so he's out of there. And while he's, he's stripped of his cloak, Potiphar's wife, she takes that as kind of like this dig. She's like, all right, well, I'm going to get this guy um, because I can't get this guy. And so she's hanging on to his, his cloak, and she screams. And the guard comes in, and Potiphar comes in. They're like, what's going on? And she's like, he tried to rape me. This guy who's second in command, the guy who's so great that you set in this place, this guy who's such a man of God, everything he touches prospers. Well, he tried to put his hands on me and have his way with me. And so Potiphar throws him in prison. And that's kind of where you left off. You left off in this place where where, uh, Joseph is in prison and he's with a cupbearer, a servant to the king, and then he's with a baker. And, and these two are in this prison, and they're thrown in there uh, because they upset, the, uh, upset Pharaoh. And while they're in there, they have these, these dreams. They have these dreams, and, and they're looking for somebody to interpret these dreams. And so Joseph, he, he, can, he can do this by the power that God has given him, the wisdom that he has uh, in God. And so he interprets the dreams for the cupbearer and the baker. And essentially, he says to the cupbearer, hey, look, you're going to be okay. You're going to be set back in your place. You're going to be fine. And then uh, to the baker, who's like, okay, well, his worked out pretty good. I wonder how mine's going to work out. Joseph's like, you're going to be impaled, and your head's going to be uh, pecked out by birds. And uh, that happens. All that happens. So um, that's, that's kind of that's a bit morbid. So, so, um, so anyway, so they're in this place. And then Joseph says, hey, look, cupbearer, like you're going to have your life. You're going to maintain your place. I ask that you remember me. I ask that you remember me and let Pharaoh know that I can do these things. Let him know that I can interpret these dreams. But the cupbearer, I guess in his joy or just in his conceit, whatever it is, he, he forgets about Joseph for another two years. Well, then the time comes that Pharaoh has his dreams that are keeping him up at night. He's really restless. He's anxious about the dreams that he's having. He can't um, make north or south of these dreams. He he has no idea what they can mean, and nobody around him uh, can interpret these these, uh, visions for him. And so the cupbearer, when he knows that Pharaoh is in great distress, he says, hey, there's a man in prison who's set in a place where he has uh, basically oversight of everybody in the prison because he was set in that place of influence in the prison. Um, there's a guy there who, who we met, and he interpret our, interpreted our dreams. Maybe he can interpret yours. And so Pharaoh, he says, go, go get this man who can interpret my dreams. And so he does. And when Joseph interprets the dreams as meaning that there's going to be seven years of, of plenty, there's going to be a ripe harvest for seven years. You guys are going to be full. You're going to be prospering. It's going to be amazing. You're, you're going to have plenty. You're going to have what you need and more. But then just after that, there's going to be another seven years of um, great famine that's going to lay across all the land. And as far as you could imagine, there's going to be famine and people are going to be starving and it's going to completely ravage everything. You're, you're not going to be able to eat. The provision is not going to be there. And so Joseph says, hey, look, um, these, this is what these dreams mean. Seven years fruitful, seven years famine. And he says, you're going to need a guy who can take care of this stuff for you. A guy who can plan and oversee all these things. A guy who can, who can step in and be in charge. And so he can implement some plans so that you can store all that is plentiful for the seven years. And then when the famine comes, these nations are going to come to us seeking out the provision. 
And so Pharaoh, he says, yeah, that's a good idea. You seem like a man in charge. Everything that you touch prospers. I've, I've heard about you. And I see that this isn't you interpreting my dreams, but this is actually the wisdom from God. God himself is giving you this wisdom so you can see into deeper things. And so I'm going to give you um, my ring as a, uh, as a representation that you are second only to me, that you are in charge of everything. And so he is empowered in this place. And while he's in this place, they do, they have this seven years of, of great um, bounty, this, this awesome um, flourishing season for seven whole years. Things are great, but then the famine hits. And it says that while they were storing over that first seven years, that they had so much that they couldn't even count it all. They just stopped counting because they were flourishing so much. That's how much provision they had. But then the famine comes. The famine comes and it starts to take its toll on the, the nations around Egypt. And Egypt is prospering. And so this hits the place where Joseph's family is, right? And so, so Joseph's family, Joseph's father, uh, Jacob, tells his sons, hey, look, we need to eat. Like, we're starving out here. We're going to die. So, so can you go? Can you go to Egypt and see what's out there? See what they have. See if you can bring anything back. We, we hear that they're flourishing. We, we hear that they're in a good season. They have plenty, and they've stored up. See if there's anything that they might give us so that we can survive. So the brothers go, everyone but Benjamin, uh, the daughter of uh, Rachel and Jacob, Jacob's son, Benjamin. So the brothers go, the brothers go, except for Benjamin, and he's there, um, and, and they leave without him. He's the youngest, and as they go to Egypt, they stand in front of Joseph, who immediately recognizes them. He immediately recognizes them. Now, here's the thing. It's been 23 years. He's 40 years old now. He was 17 when he was sold into slavery, when he was thrown into a pit. But now he's 40, and he's in this place, and he's been experiencing a, a lot of affluence and influence in this place. And I wonder if that just changes a man. It probably changed the way that he talked, the way that he did business, the way that he carried himself, even the way that he looked. I mean, he had Pharaoh's ring on his finger. I wonder what else he was covered in that would make him unrecognizable to his brothers who have been working hard and they've been in the wilderness and they've kind of been in this camp and, and they're, they're men who work with their hands and shepherds. And I just wonder if, if the famine is kind of taking its toll. So there's a distinct difference between what his brothers look like and the presence he has in this moment. And so they can't recognize him but he knows exactly who they are. And in this time, they come to him and they ask for the provision that, the, that Pharaoh would have favor, that he would have favor on them and that they could take the provision back to their homeland. But they mention their brother who is still at home because Joseph, kind of toying with them to test them to make sure that Benjamin is still alive, accuses them of being spies. And so they say, no, we're not spies. Let us go back and get our brother. We'll show you that he is still alive, that, that our family is intact. And so he says, yeah, go. And if you don't bring me Benjamin, I'm going to kill you guys. If you don't bring me your, your youngest, like I'm going to treat you as spies. So he's testing them to make sure that, that his brother, his full brother, is still alive because he didn't want the same fate to have taken place on his brother Benjamin that happened to him. Like, God forbid, like, what they did to me was wrong, but God forbid they killed my brother. And so they actually come back with Benjamin. 
And when they come back with Benjamin, there's this, this banquet that they have, and, and Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And that's this moment where everybody is just completely shocked, and Joseph is, is welling up with tears and crying on his brothers, and they're crying on him, and they come to this place where he reveals who he is, and this is what they say to him because they're afraid in this moment. Yeah, we're crying and this is a great reunion, but we also know what we did to you, Joseph. And those two, those things that we did to you, I don't care how long it's been, you're not going to forget those things. Like 23 years might not be enough time for you to forget what we did to you and what we've done to our father, Jacob. And so this is what his brothers say. Okay, the reunion happens, and they kind of step back, and the brothers say this. And now, please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, you know, that word but right there, right before Joseph, that word but right there is, is a huge word when it comes to the Bible. That word but, like, we could say that's a big but, and big buts exist all through the, the narrative, Old Testament and New Testament, because that word but means contrary to expectation. Contrary to expectation. When we ever we say but, it means contrary to expectation. You, you would expect that I would act and respond one way, and contrary to expectation, I'm actually choosing to, to function out of another spirit, out of another place, in another way. And so it says that, that they said, behold, we are your servants. So the expectation would be that Joseph, being this man of power, would then put a yoke on his brothers or kill them to say, hey, I'm going to get retribution for what you did to me. You guys thought you were doing something like this great scheme and you were going to take me out of the picture, but now look who's in charge. So now I'm going to take it out on you. You guys are going to pay. And so that would be the expectation that we would have for anybody who has endured the things that Joseph has endured. But he's in this place. And he's seeing his brothers, and he's choosing another way. He's choosing a character that is so in line with God's heart. And we're going to see how that uh, plays out here. He says, it says, contrary to expectation, Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? You know, for them right in that moment, I bet they kind of believed and felt, yeah, you actually are in God's place because you're the man in charge. And we're afraid for our lives right now. We're shaking. And, and we have no idea what awaits us. And we've been sinful and we've been scandalous and we've been just completely out of line. And we did these terrible things. And our father's back home. Like it said that he was going to take this grief to the grave. Like he's still mourning you, Joseph. And like, and, and, and you're standing there and you're, you've got the, the Pharaoh's ring on and you've got all this stuff, all this garb. You're, you're completely like duded out as somebody who's in charge of some things. And so, yeah, to us, you might look like you're in God's place. You are in a high seat and you've got the gavel. But Joseph, in his humility, knowing that he's just a man, just a servant of God, just trying to be somebody who walks in character and integrity, 
not to get anything that he feels like he's owed. You don't find that in any of the narrative of Joseph, that he's entitled to anything. He just uses wisdom and obedience and patience to walk fully in line with God's heart. No matter where the journey took him, he was going to be a man of integrity that would represent the heart of God. No matter what trial he might face, no matter what environment he might be in, no matter what persecution may have come his way, no matter what lies tried to tear him down, no matter where he was, Joseph was going to be a man who stood firmly on the promises of God that in due time, as he humbled himself under the mighty hand of God, he would be raised up. And so he's in this place and he says, hey, am I in God's place? Am I in God's place? Do I hold the gavel? Look, I know my place. My place is under the mighty hand of God. And, and, and here's the thing, like it says that as for you, you met evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result. Here's the thing, I don't have the gavel. I know that God does. He's, he's the judge, right? God is the one who, who brings justice. God is the one who's in control. And if, if I truly believe that, then I got to know that he spared you. He spared your life. He spared that judgment for this present moment. And so who am I to lay the hammer down, to strike the gavel and indict you with judgment in this present moment? Because if God hasn't, then neither will I. And so he, he says to them, look, I've got to believe that I'm not God. There is only one God and I'm not him. And so I'm going to stand here in all of my power and all of my garb and in, with my ring on uh, as an extension of who Pharaoh is, the one who's in control. And here's what I'm going to offer you, forgiveness. I'm going to offer you forgiveness. The power is in my hand, but I'm going to offer you forgiveness because I'm desiring to step out and function out of a different place, a place that is contrary to you, contrary to somebody who would throw someone in a pit, who would dip a cloak in blood, bring it back to your father and say, hey, look, wild animals ate them. Your son no longer lives. I'm the one who doesn't bring lies against somebody uh, who doesn't get their way in a moment. I'm the one who, who's able to discern and, and gently speak into situations out of spirits of God when there's confusion and there's questions about where they might stand. I'm the one who seeks the heart of God. And when I see the opportunity for God to raise a man or a woman of humility up, then I step forward and I say, here I am. Let's see what we can do. I offer my hands, I offer my service, I offer my soul, I offer my spirit for this present result, for this present result to preserve many people alive. Like my heart is that my hands would be clean and they will be an offering to, to have people um, be, be safe and that they would be preserved, that many people would be preserved alive. And that's what the hope is in this moment because I remember the promise of God that, that I will sit above my brothers and great, a great nation will rise out of this lineage. A great nation will rise, that these tribes would be built and they would represent the kingdom. Like if I believe in that promise, then I can't take out the heads of those families that I know that this present moment exists to preserve many people alive. And that is a legacy of forgiveness. 
that Jacob, he, 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 I mean, that Joseph, he kind of he steps away from, from this place where so much deceit and, and all these things, these contrived ideals and, and all, this, um, all this stuff that is so outside of God's heart, like he's going to step out and he's going to start something new. In this place of power, like he's going to start something new. He's going to say, right now, something new is going to begin when it comes to this lineage, when it comes to this legacy. Something new is going to begin right now. And it's more than just me. It's more than just you guys. It's, it's about a future. It's about a hope that God has for us. That we would preserve many people alive with the hope that God has given us, with the promise that he has given us that we will be rich in him for generations to come, that generation after generation will be rich in the promises of God and they will stand firm in those things. And the implications of that is so incredible because Joseph would have have learned that from the experience he was given from Jacob and Esau in that moment that Pastor Joe uh, preached about when Esau and Jacob met after Jacob had stolen his birthright and his inheritance, and then these two families come together, and Esau has forgiveness on Jacob. Esau could have killed him and taken everything he had. And, and I love this moment with, between Esau and Jacob and their father because Jacob steals the blessing, and then Esau says, hey, like, what do I have now? And Abraham says, your blessing is when this yoke When this yoke of bitterness is removed from your neck, that's when you're going to live a blessed life. When you're able to forgive, that's when your flourishing is really going to begin. It's not going to be about all the cattle you have. It's not going to be about all the sons you have. It's not going to be all about all the wives you have and how much stuff you have. It's going to be about the yoke of bitterness being broken from your neck. And you're going to flourish when you step in line with my forgiveness. That's when you're going to flourish. And Joseph, being Jacob's favorite, would have heard this story. Yeah, there was a time where I was, uh, when, when I was deceitful against your uncle Esau, and he saw me, and I split my tribe because I thought he was going to take us out. But then Esau comes, and he shows forgiveness. And you know what, what uh, Jacob says when he sees the forgiveness of Esau? He's trying to give him these gifts to repay him, say, hey, thanks for having mercy on me. But this is what he says. If now I have found favor in your sight, then take this present from my hand, for I see your face as one who sees the face of God. I see your face as one who sees the face of God and you have received me favorably. When Joseph's 12 12 brothers were in front of him, they were looking into the face of God as he was offering them forgiveness. We reflect the image of God so tangibly when we walk in a spirit of forgiveness. When we take, take the gavel, this is a rock, but it kind of sounds like a gavel, so I thought I'd bring it in here. But when we take the rock where we feel like we're the judge, but we know who we really are, and we decide to drop the rock and function in a way that is, uh, uh, what was the word for but again? The contrary to expectation when we when we walk in a way that is contrary to expectation where we would have the rock to bring judgment we got rocks to throw. You owe me. You got to pay the price. But when we set the rock down and we act in a way that is contrary to expectation and we step out in forgiveness, 
then we are allowing people to see the face of God in real time. In real time. And here's the thing, guys. Our kids are watching us. Like, just like Jacob uh, was being watched by Joseph, our kids are watching us. Like, I have both sides of my family who have been fractured by bitterness and unforgiveness for over 26 years. Both sides of my family. And the kids are watching. And I see some stuff right now, even in places of, of immediate family, where I'm like really in tune, where I'm like, I know where this is headed. Because I've seen this, and it's become all too real to me. It's become all too real to me. So, so how can I begin to really reflect the face of God in stepping out in a place of forgiveness, not in a place of judgment and indictment with the rock, but how can I step in a place of forgiveness so that they can see the face of God when it comes to these things? Because I've felt that before. I don't want it for my kids because they're watching me. And, and, and just in that place where, where we see um, even Jesus with the adulterous woman, the woman who was caught in adultery, like we see it and, and the kids are watching them because it says in the text that when they heard that Jesus said, hey, those of you without sin, cast the first stone. Like those with, of you who, who feel like you're God because he's the only perfect one, you got your gavel, you got your rock, you're ready to bring judgment. Hey, which of you don't have any sin because that's the person who's allowed to throw it first. And the one who actually had the right to do that chose not to. Jesus put his rock down. He didn't even pick up a rock. Those of you without sin cast the first stone. And it says when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. Beginning with the older ones, they went out one by one, and he was left alone with the woman. Our kids are watching, and we got rocks we're throwing on Facebook. We got rocks we're throwing on social media. We got rocks we're throwing on our emails. We got rocks we're throwing through text message. We got rocks we're throwing through phone calls. We got rocks that we're throwing, and we're not even actually throwing them. We're just like kind of in our heart we're throwing rocks. And Jesus is saying, hey, like the kids are watching. And you who have no sin, yeah, cast the first stone. But if not, we can begin to introduce what the face of God looks like by saying, like, am I your judge? By offering forgiveness to say, hey, God has given us this present moment. Maybe it is on social media. Maybe it is face to face. Maybe it is at the, the awkward Thanksgiving that you preached on. Like Thanksgiving must have been awkward. Like maybe it's at that table where we can say, hey, no, 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 no. I'm not the judge. I'm putting down the rock. And maybe God gave us this present moment to preserve many people alive. Maybe there's people that are watching us and maybe there's an, a situation that God has given us right now and hey, look, we can be faithful and be good shepherds and steward this moment well and guess what? You're gonna see the face of God. As far as it depends on me, I'm going to reflect the face of God by offering forgiveness because even Jesus did that as he was bloodied and tortured and had a crown of thorns stuck in his skull and he was bleeding and he was pierced and his skin had been taken from him with lead-tipped whips. He was forced to carry the cross up the hill, placed in its place between two thieves. And even in that place, as blood is running down his body, down his feet and down the cross, while people are gambling for his clothes beneath him, mocking him and spitting on him, he's saying, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
And so he teaches us to drop the rock and remember the words, am I in God's place? He's given us this moment right now to preserve many people alive. And just as my father experienced when my uncle forgave him, right now in this moment, I'm showing you the face of God. And the face of God is looking at you and saying, I forgive you. I forgive you. And now let's set a legacy of flourishing in the midst of this forgiveness, knowing who God is. And it's not us. And we will humble ourselves under his hand and he is going to raise us up. And into Genesis 50, it shows that through that, through that blessing, the nation exploded and the people began to outnumber even the Egyptians to the place where the Egyptian people were really worried about who this country now belonged to. And it says that they remembered Joseph for generations and generations and generations and generations until we get into Exodus when they no longer did. And then that's where the story continues. If we see the character of Joseph as the worship team uh, comes back up, as we take a look at the character of Joseph, we can see that he was a man who was humble and who trusted God and knew who he was and was secure in the promises of the Lord no matter where the road took him. And when he came to that place where God had delivered him up and set him high on this throne over this amazing kingdom, when his accusers or when his captors and when those who were persecuting him, when he saw them face to face while he seated on his throne, He's able to show them the face of God and saying, I forgive you. We have been given this present moment to preserve many people alive. And isn't that who Jesus is? When Jesus is sitting on that throne, offering his forgiveness to preserve all of humanity alive. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, um, for offering us forgiveness. <laughs> you had the gavel and you had the right to judge and indict and all we are deserving of is death. But yet you offer forgiveness. And Father, that's the first step in reconciliation. <laughs> Step of forgiveness. And it only takes one to forgive. I know it takes two to reconcile, but it takes one to forgive. And the one who's willing to take that step is the one who decides, hey, I'm, we're making reconciliation possible right now. And that's what you did, Lord. And you created us in that image that we would be a people who would walk in the fullness of your forgiveness, knowing that there is one God and you are him and we can reflect your image as we choose to put down the rock to be an example of those who are to come after us. And in this moment, 
show them the face of God to preserve many people alive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.